Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Thursday morning. We are glad that you have joined us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. Appreciate all our great listeners, especially our servicemen men and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors, Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. They have been taking care of you throughout all of these crazy times, so make sure you're still taking care of them. Make sure that you're heading over there on a daily basis if you live here in Starkville or in Tupelo over at Brupolo and grab yourself a hot beverage, a cold beverage, a pumpkin spice beverage. It's getting that time of year. Or maybe a frozen treat for you and the family. Treat the kids, you know? It's almost a national holiday. You should treat yourself. What does that national holiday say? It's football Saturday. SEC football Saturday. As far as I'm concerned, that's a day off. That's a, a day of celebration. I'm just thinking. Hmm? I wonder if it would be possible to get like a Strange Brew subscription. I'm, okay, I'm, where, I'm listening. Uh, I'm listening. You know, on my truck, I have a uh, like a barcode sticker. I can go through the car wash anytime I want to. Mm-hmm. It's like 20 bucks a month for that. So I can wash my car every single day if I want to, and it's 20 bucks, or I can just wash it once a month, and it's 20 bucks. So I wonder if I could get something like on my windshield where, I don't know, what, 30 bucks a month, and I just pull through Strange Brew, and they're like, hey, what you want? And they just hand it out the door. No no money exchange, everything. It's just a subscription. I've already paid you your $30 this month. Here I am today to get my coffee. It's going to have to be more than $30. Probably. I mean, it's going to be probably closer to 100 I had to guess. But I mean, if you do it every day, if you buy a coffee every day, you're spending that anyway. In most days, you know, there's going to be days where I don't. So technically, they're, they're actually making more money. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm looking at it in terms of value for the customer here. It, yeah. It does that. If you if you go every day, it's worth It's sort of like that movie pass thing yeah. used to be. Yeah. That's what I'm going for here. But the difference is that, you know, a human being is only going to drink so much coffee. You're not going to go get 10 cups a day. Whereas with that movie pass thing, you could literally just keep going in and out of the theater. Yeah. So it's not a bad idea. It needs some tweaking before tweak it's a million it. dollar it. idea. And it could come with like a sticker across your windshield that says, I'm a broopy. So they can see exactly. you coming. That, that's what this is. This is the broopy program. We figured it out. We just got to gotta, gotta tweak it a little bit, a little fine tuning, a little, little, little paint, a little polish. We'll be good to go. Not quite a million dollar idea, but we're on the path. We're on the path. That. Right now, it's only like a, a quarter million dollar idea. Yeah. We got to sell it. Get their numbers so you can sell them. We will. What are we going to be doing? ABC, Joel. Always be closing. Always be closing. They're going to close the sale at College Corner at some point. I don't know when that's going to be, but you're going to feel really foolish if you've if you've listened to me talk about this 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 special, this thirty percent off any gift card purchase, and you haven't taken advantage of it. And then one day I stop talking about it. You're going to tweet at me, Hey Brian, are they still running that special at College Corner? And I'm going to be like, No, you idiot. You had like six months. You had six months, and that wasn't good enough. You decided to wait till the last minute, and look where that got you. Now, that's not to say you don't still have access to the biggest and best selection of MSU merchandise, but you need to take advantage of the special while it is still going on. It is going to stop eventually. And here's the deal. Even yeah. if you're like, well, there's no, real, there's really no 
merchandise I need right now. It's okay. a gift card. Get the gift card. Keep it until there Keep is, until because odds are you're going to buy something maroon and white eventually. Exactly. Yeah. The holidays are coming up. You're going to buy something eventually. Go ahead and do it now. Go to collegecornerstore.com, buy a gift card, shop at either of their two locations in the Jackson area, in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet, in Flowood by The Half Shell. Our good friends over at Advantage Business Systems know right now is the time. You need to be making sure your business is working for you with the maximum efficiency. You need to make sure all of your systems, all of your software and hardware are up to date. They're top of the line. They are making your business as good as it can possibly be. And that's what Advantage Business Systems does. They come in and they give you the solutions to make things smoother. So call them today at 844-833-6245 or visit them online at absms.com. You can find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. All right, Joel, we got a couple interviews today. I promised a surprise. That's in the second half of the show. I'll go ahead and reveal it now. We're going to talk a little baseball with MSU legend and current Minnesota twin, Brent Rooker, going to join us from inside the MLB world. I guess he would be our first um, active major league player on Thunder and Lightning, right? I'm trying to think. As far as I know, he would be. I mean, we've had Mangum and we've had Mac and I mean, you know, we've had some guys that had baseball players, but we haven't had an an active active major major leaguer. No, I don't believe so. So there we go. So Brent Rucker joins us a little later in the show. Look, we're just going to take take away from football for just a minute, but we will start with some football, obviously. And we've got to talk about this guy for LSU, Eric Gilbert. He has become the focus of a lot of 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 hype, of a lot of uh, conversation down in Baton Rouge. For those of you who are not familiar with him, you're going to get familiar with him this weekend, I think, because he is a, he looks like he is a the type of player that LSU is really going to game plan to bring into the game. He's a six foot five, two hundred and fifty pound tight end, tight end. But the plan is to play him as a receiver. That more or less he's going to be filling the Jamar Chase role for LSU. He is a matchup nightmare. And Joel, I got me to thinking about it in a three three five defense. That kind of athlete is I – mean, it's a problem for any defense. Don't get me wrong. But I look at Tyrus Wheat – Tyrus Wheat and, and, and uh, Tyrus Wheat – Tyrus Wheat. I'll get into it eventually. I look at Aaron Brule and I think, that's that's not good. That's not the guys you want matching up with him. But you certainly don't want to put a five foot ten DB out there either. This is going to be a head-scratcher for Zach Harnett. This is a guy he's got to figure out, what are you doing here? Could Marcus Murphy figure in here? I mean, but he's, he's gonna not have a, tall, but he's not. He's gonna have a huge size advantage over. Well, he's gonna have a huge size advantage over anybody he put out there. So don't you well, want to put DB, maybe? Yeah, but not at linebacker. I yeah, mean, that's you true. Put, but at the same time, I don't feel you know can Weed or Jordan Davis get out there with him and cover him? Yeah, because this guy's this guy's a problem, and it looks like he's gonna be the guy that sort of becomes the next guy. Terrace Marshall, you know what you're getting with him. Really good, solid wide receiver. This guy is a potential game changer for LSU. And you think about a tight end, and one thing I always say about a, you know a new quarterback, a tight end is your best friend, right? Because those are the guys who can run little short routes that you can get the ball to them and, and just you know relieve some pressure. But this is also a guy that you can send down the field and, and, and feel just as good about him as you do you know any of your wide receivers. If I'm in the red zone and I'm Miles Brennan, I'm looking for him. I'm looking for him. That's the first guy I'm looking at. Play. (laughs) That's the first guy I'm going to look at every every time. Let's get a little bit more insight into this and into LSU. Our friend Brody Miller joins me now on the uh, Welcome Home Beef Hotline from the Athletic and in Baton Rouge to talk about the mighty Fighting Tigers. 
Mississippi State down in Tiger Stadium this Saturday. Joining me now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline is my friend Brody Miller. He covers the Tigers for the Athletic. And Brody, we talked back, I think, what, in like May? I think we, we did a preview of LSU all the way back then. And I don't know that anybody that I talked to between you know that, that original interview and now has changed what they have to say more than you have. It's been an, an unbelievable offseason in Tiger State, or in, in the, I guess I should say at LSU. Just start at the beginning there, and and what what is this LSU team going to be? We already knew they were going to be different, but now I don't know. I don't even I don't know what to make of them. Yeah, you know it, it's funny because we all, they were already the number one. Like, hey, how do you even predict this kind of team? Just because you know, obviously they replace they were already replacing you know fourteen or fifteen starters and already losing all these like their main two offensive and defensive coordinators. You know, they're already yeah. so much unknown, and now you lose. You know, well, shoot, I mean, since we probably talked, Marcel Brooks is probably the least talked about. He was a playmaker. He's a TCU now. They, Jamar Chase, the best receiver in football, he's opted out. Tyler Shelvin, who has a possible first-round NFL nose tackle, you know, he, he opted out. Neil Farrell opted out as a starter defense tackle. He opted back in. Kerry Vincent, another their starting nickel corner, opted out. So they've lost a lot of guys. And then, and then also I'd even mention, you know, two guys who, as of March, were slotted to be their defensive ends, Justin Thomas and D.K. McClendon, they transferred out. And, and I'm not sure both of them actually would have been starters or anything like that. Those aren't necessarily game changers, but that's more change. So, yeah, there's a point now where this team's only returning five starters from last season, which, based on our research, is the by far the least in, uh, many team has brought back in the past, you know, in the modern era, pretty much. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's tricky. And, and all I say all that to say, I don't know how much my overall outlook changes, and I'm sure we're going to get to that. But it's weird because, yes, I feel less confident than I did, say, five months ago. But it's still five-star talent around this roster. It's still a really talented team. They still should take care of business in six, maybe seven games this year. So it's a weird year to handicap because it's so unknown, but there is talent. Right. I mean, that's what you expect with LSU. They're just going to be a good team year in and year out. Let's start with the guy who's been the constant in all this, and that's Miles Brennan. You know, finally hits his time in, in Baton Rouge after sitting behind Joe Burrow for the past couple of years. He can't possibly – well, I mean, I say he can't. I, I would be surprised if he duplicated – Joe Burrow's production from a season ago. I, I just don't see, especially in a ten-game season. But you know what? What can you expect from Miles Brennan? What do you expect from Miles Brennan? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't expect Joe Burrow. I, I don't even expect necessarily, you know, one of the top three quarterbacks in the SEC or anything. I think Miles Brennan, at least this year, you know, maybe twenty twenty-one. I have higher expectations, but but this year, first year, a lot of new. I, I expect a pretty solid quarterback. I mean, I mean, the scouting report on Brennan basically is really, really live arm that can make NFL throws. Pretty smart guy, but definitely has to get the, you know, just some of that game experience of playing in the SEC down. He needs to get better at reading defenses. He needs to get better at those those little nuances, right, of, like, looking off receivers and stuff like that. So he has some things. He's going to throw some interceptions. I feel pretty confident in that. But he's, I bet, so my, my, my prediction, really, is he's going to be a guy who I bet two or three times this year is going to just tear it up and maybe even win them a game they shouldn't because, he has that kind of you know ability to put it together. I'm trying to think of a great you know comparison in that sense. So I'm not he's not Chad Kelly wise in any in the way he plays in the slightest, <laughs> but almost like that. You know, yeah. where like I bet he's going to have a game or two like that, and I bet he's also going to have a game or two where he maybe makes a bunch of mistakes and really is the difference in a loss. You know, I think it's going to be a bit of give and take. But when it all comes together, I expect a, a B quarterback, and B's not bad. B at LSU would have been 
fantastic for the last decade and a half. You know, they would have loved that before Burrow. So, so I, I think we'll be solid, but I think there'll be some, some mistakes. You know, you're already trying to replace Justin Jefferson, who really had a fantastic year for LSU. You had to replace Thaddeus Moss. <laughs> you had to replace uh, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Then Jamar Chase drops out. You sort of know what you have with Terrace Marshall, I think. Mississippi State fans will remember Racy McMath. He had a big game up here in Starkville last year. Let's talk about the guy you wrote an article about this week, and that's Eric Gilbert, who I have, I've heard a ton about. I, you can't get away from it at this point. I actually listened a little bit to uh, to Coach O this morning down on Baton Rouge Radio, and, and I mean, this guy is everywhere. Tell me about him. Yeah, it, it's kind of a it's a level of you know hype I I haven't really seen in a little bit, and yeah. I, and I say that as somebody who just covered Derek Stingley's freshman year, and even that's different. I mean, Derek Stingley was at least in my life the most just college ready freshman I've ever seen in my life. And day one as a freshman, you really could have argued he was the best corner in college football last year. And I saw that. And Eric Gilbert's even different because it's this almost like folklorish upside hype. And it, it, I mean, I don't mean this as like a literal comparison again, but it almost reminds me of like Clowney coming in as a freshman where you're just like, how is this guy in college? Where, so basically for your listeners, Eric Gilbert is a six foot five, 250 pound tight end who is really going to be a receiver. He's a volume receiver. He's like a Calvin Johnson type. And, and I mean, for context, he's the first tight end to ever win Gatorade National Player of the Year, just to show you like what he was doing in high school. And also he's the highest rated tight end in the history of 24 seven sports ranking. So he's kind of a freak. And I mean, he was Thad Moss broke every LSU record for tight ends receiving last year, and I, and I really think he's an improvement there. He's maybe the only position on the team where I say LSU's actually better, and that's how good he can be. And you know, he's a guy who, yes, he's a tight end, and he's a solid blocker from what I understand. But he is a he, like in high school, for example, in the highest classification of Georgia. I mean, they were running design screens for him, and this was a six foot five, two hundred fifty pound athlete who was catching screens for seventy yard touchdowns. So. That also helps kind of paint a picture of what he can do. And yeah, I haven't seen it in person yet. So, I mean, there's always, there needs to be a part of me that still is like, hey, I'll believe it when I see it. And you just never know how easily a freshman's going to contribute. But, I mean, he's been tearing it up at every LSU scrimmage, beating up on the LSU defense. My prediction is, yeah, Terrace Marshall's obviously the number one guy this year. But my hot take is Gilbert, I think, will actually be their second most productive receiver this year. That's that's pretty scary when you think about it. The, the, The guy you're describing sounds like. Archivius Mingo. It sounds like he should be playing defense with that kind of yeah. athleticism and size, but to have him out there on offense, that's going to be a tough test for an MSU secondary that is not exactly battle-ready. Uh, we'll just put it that way. But let's talk about LSU's defense. Bo Pelini is back in town, going back to a 4-3. Some LSU people I've talked to said that they feel like the personnel suits the 4-3 a little bit better than, than what Dave Aranda wanted to do. Do you, do you agree with that assessment? What do you think about this LSU defense? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm it's tricky because the loss of Shelvin and the loss of those DMs kind of like waters down my excitement to watch this defense. But but I'm somebody who was definitely at least back probably when I was on your show in, in May or whenever that mm-hmm. I had a you know I had a feeling this defense is really going to be the strength of this team and there's a chance that if Pelini you know it still has it you know if he's still sharp after ten years away from this level I mean I think he could be this defense could be one of the better ones in the country. I mean, that def- the defensive tackles are really, really good. Glenn Logan, Apuleka, Neil Farrell, I think those are three names who could be all SEC kind of guys. And they were playing in that 3-4, and they were good. They were all very solid defensive linemen. But that 3-4, I mean, as you know, it's, it's a lot more gap protection and holding blocks and setting those linebackers up. And that is not what Ed Ogeron, he, he trusted Dave Aranda, because Dave Aranda is one of the best coordinators in football. But that is not what Ed Ogeron wants. He wants 
his USC defensive lines. He wants his Miami defensive lines. Grits and attacking 4-3, letting those guys take advantage of mismatches and get upfield and rush the passer, create havoc. That is what he wants. And to be honest, that is what Neil Farrell, Glenn Logan, and Ossalika, they're really athletic big guys. I mean, they actually should thrive in that setting. So I'm really excited to see what that defense line does. I'm, I'm skeptical of the DNs. I think that defensive end... There's a ton of upside at the end. There's a lot of like guys who have, you know, B.J. Ojolari is a name everyone should know who I think will maybe hold some career staff records when he leaves. You know, I mean, they got some huge upside there, but there is zero certainty at defensive end. So that's, of course, a question mark. But that secondary is loaded with Derek Stingley, Jacoby Stevens, you know, five-star Elias Ricks, Cornell Flott. It's a really deep group there. Linebacker is not deep, but, I mean, Jabril Cox and Damone Clark, at least, that, that two... I think is you know one of the best of these you know core two linebackers you know when they go four two five and a nickel that's that's as good of a starting two as you're going to see or at least one of the better ones. So I think this defense, if healthy, which you know during these times isn't very confident, there's a, there's a chance this defense really is the strength of this team. Let's talk about that secondary real quick because if you're playing Mississippi State this year, that's where you've got to look. You know, Stingley, as we all know, he would be a top five draft choice if he was eligible this year. Uh, you know, Jacoby Stevens, one of the more experienced and better players in the SEC. But there's a couple of new faces back there in the secondary. Are they prepared to to face an offense that's going to throw the ball fifty plus times a game? Yeah, I mean that's it's going to be interesting. I think so. I mean, well, Cordell Flott, for example. I mean, he's. He's a, we're not, it's unclear what exactly his role will be, but he is listed as a starter, and he's either going to be the outside corner or the nickel. My guess is nickel. And he's a guy who, I mean, you, I believe you probably saw the Mississippi State game, and he played as a true freshman, rotated in, and he was a guy, I remember at one point in October, so Dave Aranda kind of told one of the broadcast crews that he's actually their, their, their most trusted cover corner at the time, which was mind-blowing when you had singly and pulled. So, and, and he, I think he's a thin guy, has a lot of development to do. I'm not saying he's going to be some all-SEC guy, but he's a guy who I definitely think is ready. And then Elias Ricks, that five-star freshman from California, went to IMG. He's a guy who also seems like my guesses will be the starting outside corner. So, I mean, those guys, yeah, like you said, Mississippi State is playing an air raid. There's a chance they make some mistakes. Absolutely. And I, but I actually, my gut feeling is they might actually be slightly better at corner this year, which I know sounds weird, but Terry Vincent, you know, he was kind of a, even though some of the criticism might have been unfair and all that, he was kind of a weak link at times last year, even as a two-year starter. He made a lot of mistakes. He opted out this year, and I kind of think that they might actually be stronger with Flott and, and, and Ricks and Jay Ward than they were with, you know, Fulton and Vincent, because Fulton also, as much as he was a stud and a great player, he made a lot of mistakes at times last year. Mm-hmm. So I think corner will be pretty strong. I see a lot of points on Saturday. I think, you know, LSU is going to get their points at State. I, I have question marks on the defense. But Mike Leach is going to get some points. I, I don't know if we have enough to beat, to beat LSU. How do you see this game playing out? You know, it's, it's, it's funny because I, I think there's a part of your brain and I think everyone's brain that has to start with, yeah, the Mike Leach team. They're going to be spicy. They're going to be a team that makes life difficult for people. So, I mean, yeah, my, my initial thought. And I think, by the way, over the course of Mike Leach's career in Starkville, I think he's going to have a lot of those kind of games. But there's this part of me that just can't help but think it's it's a new coach teaching a new funky scheme during a pandemic without a spring, a new quarterback, all that stuff. And then you have, like you said, some issues, you know, maybe this, this the state secondary and stuff like that, where I just I look at it and I'm like, I think Mississippi State's going to be fine in the long haul, but... I think week one, that's just one of those things where they, I don't know how 
you would know better than me, and I'm deferring to you, but like I don't know how ready they're going to be or how smooth things are going to be there. So part of me just kind of thinks at the end of the day, LSU's talent level, even with the uncertainty, kind of should roll in this one. That's my gut feel. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not far off that prediction. They're just, they're just the more talented team. Even with the lack of depth that LSU sort of has right now because of all the opt-outs, you know, State's 20th best player might be LSU's 50th best player. And that's just how I've been looking at this game in terms of I just think LSU's just more talented up up and down the roster, and uh, we'll see. But that said, I do think State can, can make things interesting just because they're going to be so different. And the newness of this game, Brody, is, I mean, there's new coordinators on both sides. You've got new quarterbacks on both sides. I mean, it's going to be totally different than the game we watched just a season ago uh, here in Starkville. So we'll see how it all pans out. Brody Miller from The Athletic, man, thanks so much for joining me. I always appreciate it. Always good catching up, my friend. Uh, hopefully I'll see you sometime soon. Take care. So there you have it. You know, not a lot of surprises in what Brody had to say. It's still a talented LSU team. Miles Brennan is a guy they have a lot of faith in. They've got four- and five-star running backs and receivers to go to here. But this Gilbert guy, I mean, are we going to see like a coming-out party for him? Are they going to target him 10, 12 times? What, what do you expect from – I guess we'll start with Brennan and then just sort of work your way from LSU as a passing offense. I mean – I think that's where you start is looking at him. I mean, LSU has so much to figure out. I don't really know what to expect. I mean, I hate to be, you know, Mr. Podcaster over here that just throws his hands in the air, but I don't really know what we're going to see out of LSU. You know, is it going to be more of the, the Joe Brady style of offense or, you know, how much have things changed? We, we, we really don't know. It's what makes this game so intriguing. And I know we did a whole podcast the other day about how these two teams, State and LSU, are so different. It's almost like they haven't played each other before. Um, I, I have no idea. I think they would be wise to try and maybe run their offense through Gilbert a little bit here. Um, because like you said, I don't know that State has any – there ain't anybody that you look at State's defense and you're like, yeah, he can put him here and, and – I mean, you just don't know. Uh, intrigue, man. I, I don't. I don't know what to expect. I, I, like you, like we said the other day, this is a three outcome game. The only outcome that would totally shock me, and I think you said you as well, is a Mississippi State blowout. Anything else is on the table, and and how we get to that final score, I have no idea. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And I mean, we don't even know if Miles Brennan. You know, how, how's he going to be? How's he, well, that's, he going to be effective? That's, you know, sort of the thing is that they seem to be pretty confident in him from not only from a media perspective, but from the coaching perspective. If you listen to Orgeron, he, he says that, you know, he's saying the right things for sure. And, and you know, the thing with Brennan is there's, there's, there's always pressure when you're the quarterback of any program. There's always pressure when you're the quarterback of an elite program like LSU. But what there's there's not there's no pressure for him. You remember when Nick Fitzgerald took over for Dak, and it just felt like everybody was like down on him because he wasn't going to be Dak. I don't feel like anybody's going to be down on Miles Brennan because he's not Joe Burrow because nobody could expect him to be. Nobody's ex- even in a ten game season. Nobody's expecting him to come out and throw for four thousand five hundred yards and forty touchdowns to only five picks and take them back. Nobody's expecting that. So he has the the ability to just be good. Just be a good quarterback, and people are going to be f- totally fine with how Miles Brennan plays. Yeah, I don't really. I mean, Mississippi State's never been in this situation, so who knows? But it kind of feels like, like if Mississippi State ever won a national title, 
Would anybody give a crap what they did the next year? Everybody would just still be on cloud nine, you know, for but that's the, next the difference year. in the program. I was going to say at LSU, does he get kind of a free space here because last year was so good for them? Even if he is a little bit down, everybody like, yeah, but it's a different. We, it, we're national champs from a year ago. It's it's makes it's, sense. It's it's this for him. If they go eight and two, seven and three, nobody says anything. If they go four and six and he's just not good, then they say stuff. All right. So that there's still a minimum level of expectation. Whereas you know, and you look at the next step up would be Alabama, right? You know, they win a national title. They expect to win the national title the next year. No questions asked. No, 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 no. We have we're making transitions. It doesn't matter who who's playing. Alabama expects to win the national title. LSU wants to win the national title. They have won national titles, but I think their fan base, and this might seem sort of odd to say, because LSU fans are not the most rational fans in the world, but they are smart enough to know we are not going to win the national title this year. We're going to be good. We'll be fine long-term. We're still recruiting at a high level. But this year, we, ha- we have no choice but to take a step back. It's just That's just the way that that is. So there is a little bit of that, but at the same time, it can only go so far. Yeah. You know, if Brennan comes out again on Saturday and throws four interceptions and, you know, State wins the game, people are going to have put pressure on him. But if he just goes out and throws for 275 yards and a couple touchdowns and LSU wins pretty easily, nobody cares that he didn't throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. And that, that's, So his expectation level is still high in terms of what they expect wins and losses, but his own performance, it's a little different, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I'm, I'm excited to see this guy Gilbert. You know, I want to see just what they've got going on with this guy is, is, is interesting to me. You know, that's that's a... First off, I'm really glad he wasn't there last year because it might have been a lot worse for, for teams. I mean, LSU embarrassed almost everybody they played. It could have been a lot worse. Um, but that said, you don't tight end is not a position where you hear about a lot of these freak athletes. No. You know, and like I said in the interview, you know, this is normally a guy that you think about with his frame and his athleticism would have been playing defensive end or outside linebacker at LSU, sort of a Barkevius Mingo and Arden Key kind of player. So. I'm interested to see him, and I'm interested to see how MSU stops him uh, on, on Saturday. All right. Not if they can. You're interested to see them stop him. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, what they try <laughs> to do to do it. Yeah. Know, just... So we'll see. All right, let's move on into this next interview. That's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. All of our interviews are brought to you on the Welcome Home Beef hotline. Welcome Home Beef wants you to come by this week. You know, the, 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 the air's a little crisper. It's a little chill in the air. The leaves might be starting to turn. It's time to start talking about some warm, some cold weather foods, delicious soups, stews, chili, things like that. And what's the number one thing you want to put in there? Great beef products. Whether you're making a a beef stew with a chuck roast or some oxtails or you're doing some chili with some great ground beef, those are the products you're going to find at Welcome Home Beef. So come by there today. Have a look around. Talk to the guys there. They're more than willing to talk to you, put together any kind of special order that you're looking for. And then this weekend, maybe you can put something in the in the big pot on the stove and let it cook and enjoy some football and some, some warm weather food. Warm your soul up with Welcome Home Beef. Call them today at 662-268-8148 or visit them online at facebook.com slash welcome home beef and know this whatever you buy from them one thing is for sure it just tastes good let's talk to mr triple crown brent rooker so joining us now on the welcome home beef hotline minnesota twins brent rooker can we can we say msu legend are you cool with that i mean i might disagree with it but yeah y'all do what you want i mean you did make it to what the sweet 16 of the greatest bulldog bracket before you ran into your your friend jake mangum 
Yeah, I think that's that's, uh, that's how it went. Uh, I wasn't expecting any other outcome out of that matchup. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let's talk a little bit about th- this season. What a crazy one for you, obviously, a lot of highs and lows. Start us off, you know, prior to getting called up, what was life like in that? I don't even know how to describe it, but basically there's no minor league season. I guess you're just practicing all the time. What 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 was that situation like for you? Yeah, man, it's um, it was. I mean, obviously, a not ideal situation for uh, for everyone involved in that kind of alternate site thing. Um, it really, really was just like basically extended spring training or like a college fall season, um, just over the course of you know about two months is really what it was. And organizationally, we did a really good job with it. Um, we made it as positive of an experience as possible, as productive as we possibly could. Um, just given the nature of the situation, obviously, it's uh, everybody wants to be playing, everybody wants to be competing, everybody wants to kind of be doing things to give yourself an opportunity to prove that you're ready to play in the major leagues and, and to get that call. And, you know, just the nature of that situation, that, that's not really available. So it's, it's just kind of like Groundhog Day every single day. You know, you get up, you go to the field, you do whatever work you have, maybe play a little three or four in scrimmage if you have enough arms that day, and then you just kind of come back to the hotel and, uh, you're stuck in the hotel for the rest of the day. Um, obviously, we're trying to avoid going out as much as possible so we can um, keep everybody healthy, keep everybody safe. So there wasn't really a lot to do. Um, and it definitely you know, it wears on you after a while. It, it takes a mental toll for sure. But you know, the, the key to it was just kind of pushing through it and making sure you're making the best of it. So if you get an opportunity, you're ready to go. Tell us about the call itself. I, I, I saw on Twitter you are playing Call of Duty or, or Battlefield or one of those, those games that you kids play today. Uh, what was that moment like? And was there a moment where it's going on and you think, I'm being pranked? Yeah, um, so the way it went down was, I mean, obviously I watched all the, uh, I watched all of our games at night um, in the hotel before I got called up. And I knew Kep uh, went down with a, with a groin thing. And Kep, Max Kepler, our right fielder, the night before, two nights before, and we had an off day the next day. So, you know, your mind kind of starts to race, you know, maybe this is, if you know, depending on how serious this injury is, maybe this is the time I get an opportunity, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, then I go through that whole off day when the team doesn't have a game, don't get a call, so it gets about 8 or 9 o'clock where I've kind of given up on the idea, you know, obviously I just kind of think, you know, Kev's injury is not that bad, he's going to play through it, um, you know, no big deal, whatever, move on to the next day. And then we get to about probably 10 or uh, 10.30 that night, and I get a phone call um, from Alex Hassan, who's our minor league coordinator, and I kind of knew at that point there was only one reason Alex was calling me at 10 o'clock. Um, so your your heart rate starts to pick up a little bit. Uh, you know, you get a little nervous, you get a little some butterflies, answer the call, and, you know, sure enough, that's what it was. So um, that was a pretty cool moment, obviously. It's something I've been waiting for for a long time, dreaming of for a long time, to come to fruition with awesome. Brent, I, I guess, you know, growing up, I'm sure you, you think about debuting in the major leagues. You probably picture a full house and coming up to the plate, crowd going crazy, that sort of thing. And and then you, you debut, I guess, during the course of a pandemic, and there's no one in the stands. Uh, just, I guess, on the day you debut, how does that, I guess you don't really have anything to necessarily compare it to, um, but What's that like to debut with no one in the stands? I mean, does it does it still feel like the big leagues uh, when you walk into that stadium and you, and you walk in the dugout and you see Josh Donaldson and everybody else in the dugout? I mean, it, does it still feel like, hey, I made it? 
Yeah, it does. Um, obviously, the new fans thing was a little weird, but at the time, I didn't really notice it. Honestly, there were just kind of so many other things going through my mind. Um, the excitement of being there, you know, the nerves of playing your first game, all that kind of stuff. And for whatever reason, you didn't. I didn't really notice um, the no fans thing. The, the experience was, was still very special, albeit different than what I'd imagined probably. Um, but the whole thing was still so cool that, you know, that really wasn't on the, on the front of my mind. I guess kind of walk us through that debut. I guess you get you get plunked in your first A.B., if I remember right. Uh, is, that, is that correct? I, I guess kind of yeah. some, some bad foreshadowing there. Yeah, I got um, I got to an 0-2 count real quick, and he hit me with a back foot slider, which, honestly, I wasn't all that upset about because <laughs> it kind of got me out of that first to back, got me on base, kind of got that first thing out of the way. Um, and then from there, I was able to loosen up a little bit and, and swing it pretty well, so. Uh, it hit me in a good spot. It didn't hurt that bad. Just kind of right in the back foot with an off-speed pitch. So it, I think it was well worth it. When you look at MSU, you know, obviously Joel tracks those guys, everybody who's up in the bigs right now. Is, is there sort of a fraternity amongst you guys? Do, is there a group text or anything happening where, you know, when you get the call up, are, are guys like Hunter Renfro, Nate Lowe, are, are they reaching out to you? Um, you know, Nate's a guy that – Nate's one of my best, one of my best friends. Um, so I talk to him close to every day. Uh, and then other guys, you know, Dakota, uh, Holder has reached out to me a pretty good bit, Adam Frazier, guys like that, Woody. Um, and it's just cool to have played with a lot of those guys, been around a lot of those guys, and kind of see them having the success that they're having at the highest level right now is um, is really cool, knowing that, you know, we obviously all um, all played at the same, the same place in college, all had similar college experiences, and to see them, you know, see us all doing what, we, uh, what, we, what we've always dreamed of is really cool. Is there like a, you know, is, is Mitch Moreland sort of like the den mother? Do you guys ever hear from him? Uh, I've, I don't think I've ever talked to Mitch, actually, maybe once or twice on campus. Um, you know, the guys I talk to mainly are the, the guys that I play with at school that were around similar times with me. I never played with Adam, but um, he was there the year before me. Um, you know, older guys, I've obviously talked to Will and, and Rafi a, a good bit um, when I was in school and then both after. So those, those, are, those are kind of the two guys, obviously, that are the, that are the head honchos in, in terms of Mississippi State baseball. Brett, I, I guess maybe a long answer, I don't know. But we obviously saw you here at Mississippi State, and, and we saw all the home runs, and we saw the triple crown, and, and, and just how much of a force you were in the lineup. You get into pro ball, though, wood bat, uh, top-tier pitching, kind of a different game and, and things. I guess I guess, what's kind of – where do you feel your game is right now? Like, where, where do you feel like you have to do so that opening day uh, 2021, assuming that you're full, fully healthy, good to go, that, that you're on that Twins roster? Like, what's kind of the – I guess your mindset right now, what you need to work on and improve on? Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, um, I'm always going to I'm always gonna have to drive and run, so I'm always going to have to hit home runs, hit doubles, be a run producer in the middle of the lineup for somebody. Um, and then next year, especially with the way our roster shakes out, um, I'll obviously work hard defensively this offseason, um, both at first and in the outfield, just to kind of be ready to provide value at both those spots defensively. Uh, and I think if I can do that, then I'll have a good shot to you know, be a big part of a team next year. Look, speaking of next year, have they given any idea of what that's going to look like yet in terms of spring training? Is there going to be a minor league season? Have they given you guys any idea of what to expect in 2021? 
know, and honestly, I don't think anybody knows at this yeah. point. Um, I think at the league as a whole right now, it's kind of trying to figure things out day-to-day for the playoffs right now, and I don't think anybody's looking too far ahead of that. Um, which is such a complicated situation, so many you know logistical issues, things that could go wrong, things that have to go right for it to be able to work. Um, I think it's just really a day-by-day operation right now, and we'll kind of we're on the you know the mode of we'll cross next year's bridge when we get there and we'll kind of figure it out as we go but you know hopefully by that time we can have a fairly normal spring training a pretty normal build-up and then obviously the hope is that the, the ability to have a minor league season is there because i know this year was a lost year for a lot of guys um developmentally playing experience wise and, and financially too um so it's 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 obviously tough to operate when there's not the ability to have a minor league season. So obviously that's kind of the biggest concern I think for a lot of guys is being able to do that next year as well as you know normal spring training, normal scheduling, normal travel as and then uh, you know fans to stands would probably be the last priority right now. But hopefully if we keep going in the right way to keep keep going in the right direction, the protocols continue to work like like we've shown that they do. Like the NFL is showing, the NHL, the NBA. Um, we'll be able to get back to a somewhat normalcy next year. Not sure how much your uh, injury will, you know, impact your rehab and what you plan to do over the over the course of the winter. But uh, do, do you do you ever plan to, uh, I guess, come to Starkville, come to Duty Noble Field, and utilize some of the facilities here? Maybe work out with some old teammates, that sort of thing, in the off season. Or I guess now that you know you're with the Twins, I'm sure you have plenty of other options too. But just curious, do, do you ever take advantage of some of the? The, the new facilities and things at the new duty noble. Uh, I'll be at Starkville at least once this off season. I know. Um, hopefully a few more times. As far as workouts go, um, you know, me and my wife live up in Franklin now, just south of Nashville, and I've got a pretty, I've got a really good workout set up there. Um, so that's where I spend my off season time doing all my training, making sure I'm ready to go for spring training. But I, I'm looking forward to getting down to Starkville. I haven't been down in a while. Um, just because crazy scheduling and things like that, I'll be down there at least once this off season. I know, hoping to get down there more, but you know, I don't know what the uh, what the fall schedule looks like for those guys. But hopefully, to stop in and catch a few scrimmages would be awesome. Um, you know, hang around the coaching staff and kind of see some of the guys, um, the new guys that are there would be really cool. One last thing before we let you go, and Jake Mangum gave us a great one. So you, the, the standard is high. I want a John Cohen story. Oh, there's so many. Uh, which one did he tell? <laughs> He told the one about uh, the gif of him throwing the clipboard and how that was because he had told Mangum not to do to do something that he had just seen in the previous inning. Mangum screwed it up and they caught him tossing the clipboard. I remember, yeah, I remember that. Um, John Cohen story. I'm trying to think of my favorite Coach Cohen story. Um, all right, so we got a <laughs> um, my 2015. I guess was my, I hope we don't get mad at you telling the story. Sorry, Coach. But <laughs> 2015, uh, we were playing at Kentucky. This was the year we were not very good. Um, you know, we had a lot of talent, but for whatever reason, we just couldn't put it together. We struggled to win games. And it was after the Friday night or Saturday night game. I don't remember which one. But we had, uh, we had a meeting um, in one of the conference rooms, I don't know, at the hotel post-game. And, uh, Coach Schoen gets pretty fired up, which is pretty well documented. I don't think have a secret to anybody. And you know, he started kind of telling us how he felt about the way we played um, that night. And his voice got a little elevated. And we had a hotel staff kind of come and interrupt our meeting, telling us that we need to keep it down a little bit just because <laughs> there were other guests in the hotel. Um, so 
That was a funny one. Um, it wasn't funny at the time because we weren't playing well, and you know we we um, those, those post game meetings when you weren't playing well were never fun. But you know, looking back on it, that was something that was kind of comical for me. And I always I loved and cherished my time playing for Coach Jones, and obviously an incredible job at the AD now. And um, I talked to him pretty frequently. He's a guy that. And but it made a huge impact on both my playing career and my development as a person. I'll always be thankful for my time playing for him, and I think he's a tremendous leader who's doing a great job. I assume the language was not only loud, but it was colorful? Yeah, you know, you just say what you got to say in times like that. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Brent, wish you all the best. Get back to being healthy and get back to knocking them out of the park uh, as soon as possible, man. Good good luck to you. Well, then, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Brent. All right, thanks to Brent for his time. Really appreciate that. Good guy, good to talk to. Funny story about Cohen. Not surprising. No. No. Uh, John Cohen yelled and used some language. What? Seems to me in my dealings with uh, John, although he's never directed it at me, uh-huh. but uh, he might could be a bit intense. <laughs> he, he's got a reputation for that. That's what I hear. So, Well, Brent Rooker has a reputation for hitting home runs. I think he's going to hit a lot of them over the coming years uh, in Major League Baseball. Thanks again for, for him taking time out of his day uh, to join us uh, on the program. All right, you know what tomorrow brings. It is the three Ps, the preview, the playmakers, the predictions for Mississippi State versus LSU, the first one of the year. Joel and I cannot wait to bring it to you. Uh, I, I, honestly, Joel, I wish we could just record it right now, but we'll wait on that, and we'll, we'll see you guys tomorrow. So until Friday, for Joel T. Coleman. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.